You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. Powered by BetUS. Everybody, welcome into the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast. We are pleased and honored to welcome in our good friend Mike Giardi from NFL Network. Uh, we will not uh, hold it against him that he's from Millis, um, <laughs> considering nothing good ever comes from Millis. Uh, and there's boo. a big, that's why I had to wear my Med- Med- Medway Mustang stuff today because. <laughs> You know, a little bit huge Thanksgiving Day rivalry between Millis and Medway. And uh, so, uh, Mike, thanks for coming. I appreciate it. Even though you're a Medway guy, I, I, I relented. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure Mike Leach somewhere is uh, is gritting his teeth over this. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, but yeah, so let's just dive into stuff on Gilmore. I know you've done a lot of reporting on that this week. Uh, for NFL Network, and also, you know, before he went to Carolina and he was with the Patriots. One thing I was curious about in your reporting that uh, I didn't quite understand, and maybe you can just give us the the Gilmore perspective. Uh, you you made reference to him not being thrilled that the Patriots put him on pup. I'm not sure if that means initially or that he was on for all of training camp. Uh, just you know, what can you explain that a little, flesh it out a little bit more? Sure. My understanding, Greg, is that he didn't like being kept on the pulp to start the season, that he felt like there was a window there where he would be ready to go back and be able to play and contribute. Now, how soon that was, um, if you listen to Steph the other day when we talked to him or if you listen to him at the podium in Carolina, there's a little bit of a contradiction there with him. Um, you know, it sort of goes back to what I reported on back in the spring where he was like, I'm ready to go. I, I can do this. He told Josina Anderson the same thing. And then he said the other day, well, he wouldn't have been totally ready to go at the start of training camp. But, yeah, to, to my understanding of it was just he felt like he would be ready to play somewhere in that window of the six weeks that he was forced to, to sit after training camp. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand that a little bit better now because, you know, if he was, say, ready – let's say he was ready within the first couple weeks of the season to be full go. That means he's out there sooner showing that he's worth more money. Maybe he gets that from the Patriots. Maybe, you know, maybe he causes a little bit of a, you know, a kerfuffle inside and the Patriots decide he, that's not right for him, but somebody else steps up and gives him money. So I see that. I mean, you know, when you talk about professional football players, uh, and especially Stefan that we've learned since he's been here, uh, a lot of guys want to be paid what they're worth. And he said that. He said that in the offseason. So uh, I understand that. Um, 
you you said it was always about the money uh, here. Um, I don't necessarily doubt that. Uh, but one thing I understand, and maybe it goes with your reporting about that he wanted to be off pup earlier, is that I, I never understood during this whole thing. Because my view was, and I think I tweeted it out right when he got hurt last year, I was like, it's probably the last time we see Stefan Gilmore in a Patriots uniform, considering his situation. I just don't understand how he thought he was going to get more money. And and a lot of people think that it was he was not going to do anything until he got more money. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I didn't understand if that it was indeed the thinking how he thought he was going to get more money out of the Patriots or anybody else unless he got on the field and proved his health. Yeah, and it's an interesting contrast because you see where the Patriots would be coming from and say, look, you show us that you're healthy and mm-hmm. maybe we, we do do this. Yep. Maybe we do find a way to at least – make you happy this year and then you you know you have a great year and then you want to hit free agency hit free agency and whether we you want us to be a part of that or not you know that's that's entirely up to you but from Steph's perspective I think it was I was the defensive player of the year uh you you basically just had to you you Peter versus Paul there the robbing of to to move Mm -hmm. money into last season's contract and that the 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 thought was, I'm not playing for this next year. You you know this. When we're when we're doing this and we're moving this money, you know that the 7.5 that you have me on the hook for in 2021 isn't getting it done. And I don't, you know, look, I don't think he ever changed his viewpoint on that injury or no injury, right? I think that was his. We've made this deal. Know that this is how it's going to be come spring and summer, and it's on you to do something about it, and not again just sort of dismissing the idea that I'm hurt. And I think his thought was like, you've seen me at my best. You know what I can do. Um, you know that I'm going to put in the work to get better and to be the same player. So you should trust, trust in that and trust in me to give me the money. And obviously the Patriots, they didn't want to go there. And, and I think, you know, you look back to last year around the trade deadline and he puts his house on the market and like, he basically like, I mean, he knew the deal. I mean, his agent, uh, J- Jason Shiat is, you know, one of the best in the league. He's gone toe to toe with the Patriots before he had Dion branch. Um, they're, they're all very smart in camp Gilmore and they knew the situation and they're like, well, if the Patriots aren't going to pay you in the off season, then they're obviously going to trade you at the trade deadline when the team's going nowhere. And then they did. I mean, we all know, uh, you know, being unbiased observers that the Patriots, I, I just don't understand why they didn't move them then. They just should have done it and, and, and moved on. Yeah, Greg, it's a great point because I think Steph did something that very few players here have done, right? And that's, uh, you're going to dig in on the business? I'm digging in on the business. Mm-hmm. I'm, You know, he looked at the Seymour thing. He looked at Logan Mankins, who obviously sat out for half a year, called the owner a liar, and then got paid the most money at that time a guard had ever been paid, Right with the, you know, the caveat that he had to apologize to the owner, which for $53 million or whatever it was, I think he muster up the words, I'm sorry, even whether you're sorry or not. And Dion Branch, to your point. So I think he knew that, that he had to dig in because, to your point, they weren't going to bend if they weren't going to pay him then. And I guess that's where I also go back to the, to the to his saying that they didn't like the way they handled the injury and say, again, I think that was more, that's more about white noise to me. Like, hey, don't paint me as this greedy player there was other stuff going on, but really it's money. And I don't, you know, like, I don't think anybody should fault him for that. I don't think anybody should fault anybody for wanting to get more money. Um, and, but I just think he doesn't want to be labeled as such, or he wants to keep that, that relationship open maybe with the fans as much as anyone. 
couple things I've been told, just wanted to get your take on these things, uh, that Gilmore was fine playing for the $7 million elsewhere if the other team had good faith on a possible extension or something for next year. Yeah, correct. Okay. Uh, the other thing, and, and this is what I was told from the Patriots' perspective, and it could be BS and them just you know covering their ass on this, yeah. but I was told that Belichick ended up trading – Gilmore because he doubted Gilmore would ever be fully healthy this year. And, you know, a a 75% Gilmore was not worth $7 million for say seven games, seven or eight games. What do you think about that? Yeah, I I've heard the same thing, Greg. And I guess I would paint it sort of as you did in the intro there. I'm not sure that I entirely believe it. I mean, just go back to the Jamie Collins maneuver and the reports around that, like, well, that he went to Gilmore and said, you got to give us some money back because we have to figure out a way to get Jamie Collins under. I kind of, you know, rolled my eyes at that one, too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I mean, I heard the same thing. I don't know whether I buy it or not. Yeah, you you know your way uh, around a film room uh, being the, the son of a football coach. What do you think of uh, and I wrote this up at BSJ. Uh, I watched Gilmore last week. Would you what do you think of him on the field? I mean, you saw some of the things that we remember seeing here, right? Getting into guys, being physical. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting. Phil Snow did his, uh, the defensive coordinator for Carolina, did his interview, I think it was yesterday. And he was like, you know, you, the, the GPS is this big thing now. We all study the GPS. And he's like, you know, guys, you know, the, 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 the skill position athletes, they get up to 18, 19, 20 miles an hour during a game at various points. And he said, I think Steph never went over 15 miles an hour. And his assessment was, Steph, Steph is so smart, and he had done such a good job of studying Kyle in particular, and he went to Snow and said, I want Kyle, give me Kyle, mm-hmm. that he was running the routes for him, and therefore you're expending less energy. You don't have to maximize your physical um, attributes in that regard because you're just so smart. Um, I think you definitely saw some of that intelligence, some of that savvy. But I think there's – I mean, he hasn't played in a long time. I thought there's still – there's still a ways to go. I'm not sure I'm ready to crown him as the number one cornerback in the league again after 17 snaps. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And, and by Kyle, you mean Kyle Pitts, the rookie tight end for the Falcons. And I thought, you know, that interception that he had, when I first saw it on Sunday, you know, in the the, the TV clips, um, because, of course, every all Patriots Twitter was talking about Gilmore picking off the pass. And I think that was right before the Patriots played uh, the Chargers in the afternoon game. And when I first saw it, I was like, man, ah, that's, you know, Matt Ryan was under pressure off his back foot or whatever. But when I saw it on the all 22, I was like, you know, that's Steph being Steph. He realized yeah. what the route was, broke on it, went underneath. Like that's classic Steph right there. Yeah. He, I, again, like I, and I don't know if it's because of just his personality and persona and the soft voice that never changes. Like I said uh, the other day, you know, he's irritated with the Patriots or he's saying he's irritated with the Patriots. And it sounds the same as it when he's praising Belichick or praising his teammates, the, the voice never changes. The tone never changes. So I don't know if maybe because he's quiet that people didn't necessarily get a good glimpse into the football IQ and the intelligence that he has, but you talk to the players. I mean, you, you've talked to them mm-hmm. like helping, helping Mac Jones this spring and summer, helping receivers, things that he points out when he's watching during a game or even a practice saying like, hey, that release worked for you. Don't be afraid to go back to it. Hey, you know, he's playing you this way. You might have to do this. Like he's seen a lot. He studies a lot. I give him a ton of credit for for still being buried in the film all these years and just, you know, 
he trusts that that film study and and to your point i mean it paid off beautifully on that play and it's again it was sort of like a low energy play like he did he didn't have to overextend himself because he didn't get caught chasing he just he knew what was going to happen and he and he he read it perfectly and made the play if if you're the patriots this week how cognizant do you, would you be about where Stefan Gilmore is and and what he's doing are you are you worried about him this week do you stay away from him do you go after him well see here's the thing with with the way their roster is constituted like who does he like I don't even know you know. can't really say oh does he cover this guy like is he who's the Kyle Pitts you know I guess maybe in third down situations got to have it to situations it's got to be Hunter Henry right I guess that would be Henry probably, or Myers is my yeah problem. right right one, one of the, the other you're, you're, you're picking your poison there but I don't think from an athletic standpoint that Gilmore is going to be worried about being able to hang with those guys mm-hmm. so yeah I I think what I would be more worried about with Gilmore is him being able to decipher what you're doing and it's not to his guy, but it's something close. And that's where he makes that, that calculated maneuver to slide on over. And, you know, maybe, Oh, I didn't realize he was going to be there. He makes the pick because he undercuts a route to somebody else. Like that's where I would be more concerned about him than maybe even going at him straight on. Yeah, it's a good point. And, and, you know, knowing McDaniels and Belichick and those guys, you know, you know they're going to – at least they're going to – at some point, I'm sure they've already designed it. They're just not sure who Steph is taking. But as soon as they figure it out, at some point, they are going to get them isolated. They are going to try to fool them into something, something with a double move. Now, and we'll get into this a little bit more in a second. I don't know if Mac Jones is going to have the time for any of that stuff this right. weekend. Right. Um, and, and we'll get into that for a second. But uh, I think it's a – it's a great matchup. It's a, you know, get your popcorn ready, watch what happens. Cause look, uh, I've had my criticisms of Steph and his time as the Patriots. They've all been warranted, especially early on his career, on his career, mm-hmm. in, in his career. But when it comes to a big game, when he knows he has a tough assignment or it's a primetime game or a playoff game, there aren't many better big game corners in my opinion in this league. Yeah, I complete. I completely agree, and I think he, you got the glimpse into it after the game on Sunday when I forget the exact wording, but it was like a three-word answer. But basically, like, are you extra pumped for this one? And he was acknowledged yes. And again, he tried to downplay that during the course of the week, but I think that was his true feelings coming coming out. You know, he wants to prove to them they made a mistake. And look, there are guys on the team still, and to their credit, they've they've moved on because they have to. This is what you have. This is what you have to play with, and let's not get caught up in that. But there were guys that were thinking they were getting them back at some point and that that was going to be a massive jolt to that defense as a whole, a defense that I think is rounding into form. So, you know, to not have them, I think, was a blow to some of those guys. And, you know, I think they're going to think it sucks seeing them on the other side and then just hope they can get away with this one, get a victory, and then, you know, move on and put that in the rear view. Absolutely. More on this matchup after the break. Listen up, sports bettors. This is Greg Bedard here to tell you about my favorite sports book, and that's BetUS. Football is in full swing. We got Patriots-Panthers this weekend, all sorts of stuff going on, and it's time to get in on the action. I only endorse one sports book, and that's BetUS.com. Why, you ask? Because BetUS has been America's favorite sports book for over 25 years. You need a sports book with integrity, longevity, and you need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sports book that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, and all kinds of crazy stuff that 
Nick Cattles loves the tweet about on his Twitter page. Make sure you check him out over there because he's he's all over it. Nobody in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS. Join now, check out the offers, and you can get up to 200% bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody beats that. I bet at BetUS, and I'm starting to do better. I did pretty well last week. And enter BSJ when you sign up at BetUS.com for a special bonus. BetUS.com, where the game begins. Welcome back to the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast. We are here with NFL Network and NFL.com reporter Mike Giardi. Uh, Mike, this matchup, you've done a lot of reporting on the Panthers this week. Uh, Talked to a lot of people over there. Do you have any sense on how things are trending with Sam Darnold and Christian McCaffrey? I mean, at the, t- at the time of this taping, we know that they were at practice. We don't know what they've done. We don't have the injury report yet. But what's your what's your feeling? What's your sense on what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, on both counts, Matt Rule tried, said hopeful for, for both counts. And I think you, you could see a scenario where McCaffrey, Saturday is the big day for him, according to, to Rule, I think, as they sort of work out this process here of getting him loose and getting him ready coming off the, the IR. He said they would do some more explosive stuff with him on Saturday. And I guess if he holds up to the explosive stuff, there's a chance to see him in the game. I did ask Rule when I was talking to him on the phone on Thursday just about the idea of, hey, you know, not even just for this game, but going forward, is there got to be a pitch count with him? Because, look, he's I think he's missed 18 of the 24 games that Rule's been the head coach there in Carolina. And he's like, we like the rest of our backfield. Some of the stuff that Hubbard has done, they brought in Abdullah, who they at least they're talking up. They seem to like him as well. And he's like, I don't think you're going to see a scenario going forward where Christian is in there for 70 or 80 plays. I think that's, you know, I think that's that's the smart thing to do. He's still explosive. He's still a game breaker when he's out there. You just got to make sure that he's out there. And I got to tell you, I, I thought after hearing and talking to Rule on Thursday, I thought P.J. Walker was going to be the quarterback on Sunday. I, I guess I still do if you're saying what's going to happen. But he did sort of leave it open a little bit. But I mean, Darnold's still not even through the concussion protocol. He hasn't been cleared yet. So uh, there's that part of it. And he he agrees that the shoulder is actually more of a concern than the concussion is. So he hasn't been cleared in protocol yet. And the shoulder's an issue. So I I guess I would stick with the idea that we're probably going to see P.J. Walker start on Sunday. Well, you know, it's interesting. I mean, watching some Panthers film this week and, and, you know, even with Darnold, I – Tell you the truth, I don't even know how much the quarterback matters this week for the Panthers, considering like it looked like last week. I mean, they put Sam Darnold in such a straitjacket. They obviously looked at it and they said, the turnovers are killing us, and they're not giving us a chance. Let's let's dial it back. Let's run the ball. Go conservative. Sam, if you don't like something, just run with it, you know? And so, you know, P.J. Walker can do that and, and be successful. Um, you know, a lot of people, Mike, uh, I've seen the reporting and, and especially here in new England where I've seen, you know, phrases like coaching mismatch and, mm-hmm. you know, well, the Patriots are going in one direction. The Panthers are going in the other direction. I don't know about you, but I, I think, I think that does a disservice to the Panthers. Um, I, you know, there are things I don't like on this team, especially the pass blocking on the offensive line, which I think a lot of their offensive issues are rooted in, mm-hmm. but I think Rule's an excellent coach. Joe Brady's an excellent coach. I think that this is a good team. Ridiculous team speed on defense for this group and a lot of playmakers all over that defense, especially now with Gilmore. Um, what do you think about this matchup, you know, overall? Do you think that um, – do you think that the Panthers are still a team, you know, 
on the come or, you know, do you think they're, they're scuffling at this point? I think that they, to your point, they did put a straight jacket on, on, on Darnold and Walker. I think that would be the same plan that I, I would think that they would go with whoever the quarterback is this week. They can't afford to have those bad decisions because their margin for error in that regard is very small. Their offensive line is not good. So, I mean, so again, how much is that the quarterback's fault? How much is that the offensive line? Right. It tends to work hand in hand as far as I'm concerned. But if you're going to sit there and tell me that this is a mismatch, when I look at some of the things that Phil Snow has done defensively and the speed and sort of the interchangeable pieces they have at parts on the defensive, you know, on the front seven in particular, like I think you're, you know, like let's not pretend like the Patriots offense is the Cowboys that we mm-hmm. saw a few weeks ago or Tampa Bay when they're firing on all cylinders. Like they're not. They still there's still plenty of things that they're doing that have training wheels on or that they have to be extra cautious about. And this team is so fast and so explosive that yeah, I think they're going to be a, they're going to cause problems for you. I, I don't think there's any question. And to what you were teasing a little bit about, like I I don't think Mac's going to be able to sit back there and take all these deep shots. And again, maybe that plays into your favor because what Mac's done really well is the short to intermediate stuff. But I mean, I think that's got to be your plan coming in because to to think that you're going to sit back there for more than you know two and a half three seconds and be able to you know read the paper, grab a cup of coffee, and then throw the ball, I think you're crazy. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know about you, Mike, but watching this and look, the Chargers are fast on defense. We saw them. The Cowboys are fast. Mm-hmm. I think this this Panthers defense is faster than both of them. I don't know oh, what you think. Oh no, I, absolutely. I, I mean, let's look at some of the people that they're. I mean, Burns is a freak athlete. Shaq Thompson's a freak athlete. A chin. They use him in a bunch of different ways. He does a lot of mm-hmm. things. I, I I really I do. I really like their defense. I think their defense is a ready to win now defense. It's the other parts that are still, you know, coming along. And again, quarterback offensive line doesn't look like that can be fixed this year. Yeah. I really think this, you know, I think the Panthers going against the Patriots defense and the, and the Panthers offense going against, uh, excuse me, the, the, uh, the Patriots offense going against the Panthers defense to me, it's pretty much a draw. Like I think both offenses are really going to struggle. I think it's a turnover game, which we've talked about with you know, the Panthers, that's part of the reason why they went a lot more conservative on offense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's going to be which defense generates more turnovers is really going to be uh, the decider in this game. And, and you know, I'm not sure which way it's going to go in terms of that. But if anybody thinks – my advice to Patriots fans is if you don't know the Panthers very well and you just sort of look at the scores, you know, the past few weeks and – and now oh, it's Sam Darnold and EC's ghosts against the Patriots. I mean, some of that is a factor, but this is a to me, this is a good team. The offensive line really, really bothers me for the uh, the yeah. Panthers. The left side, you know, Cam Irving and Elf line over there, just not good. They've never been good at those spots in their career. Uh, but Paradise is a really good center. The right side's decent, uh, especially Moten at right tackle. But if the Patriots can, to me, it's which team can stay out of third and long and third and dangerous against these respected defenses. And I, I do like the Patriots chances of doing that. I do think you can run against this Panthers defense, but you know, I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. And it's funny. You go back to the Panthers finally breaking their four game losing streak by beating, you know, the trick or treat Falcons team that they're not very good, but I mean, you beat them on the road. You had three drives of 15 plays or more. Like I think that hasn't happened in the league this year. I'm not sure that's happened in, in recent years. Um, and I think it was 47 carries, 46 rushing attempts like that. I think that's, 
I think you're looking at the same thing this week. Maybe they'll take a couple shots, especially if it's Walker, because he does like to push the ball and take some chances and try to make a play that way. But in general, I think the 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 offensive philosophy from the Panthers has got to be don't make any mistakes. Keep it in third and short, and hopefully we can do what we did last week. Convert some of those third and shorts, get field goals, maybe get a you know a touchdown here or there. But like I wouldn't be surprised if we're looking at a you know a game that's in the teens or low twenties. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, what's interesting, you bringing that up about the the length of drives, looking at the Panthers offense goes on, on average, the longest drives in, in the league. Uh, reminds me of the Patriots very early on in the season where they needed like 14 drives and uh, plays and everything to go right for them to score uh, a point. The Panthers are kind of there right now, but their defense leads the league in fewest amount of plays per drive. So it's, it's you know, there's, <laughs> there's a lot going on there. Uh, as far as the game, uh, the bet us spread is Patriots are favored by three and a half. Uh, my pick, I just made this over at BSJ. Uh, I have the Patriots to win this game, but I don't have them covering the spread. I went Patriots 2017. Uh, I think it's going to be a really tight game. And like I said, it's going to come down to, you know, turnovers in this game. I do. I think the Patriots are, are getting a little bit more consistent on both sides of the ball. The Panthers aren't quite there yet. I don't think they're far away. But uh, if McCaffrey plays, certainly that changes a lot of things because the Patriots have never been great with running backs out of the backfield, and uh, that should be an interesting matchup. What? How do you see this matchup going, Mike? Yeah, I mean, McCaffrey is the is the, the massive X factor in all this, right? Because if he's back and he's close to what he was prior to the injury, then you have something that you really haven't faced all year long. I mean, he's he's explosive in both the run and the pass game. Uh, you get him in space. I think Belichick said it this morning on Friday morning was like, basically like he gets it in space, forget it. He's, I mean, he's going to pick up a huge chunk of yardage. They don't have anybody, um, you know, from a linebacker level, even if you want to mm-hmm. talk and, and include Phillips and Duggar in that, in that sort of category that can run with him. So he is, um, he's the massive X factor in this game because I think Hubbard has been fine for them uh, and a little bit better as he's gone along here. But I mean, yep. there's, there's no, there's no comparison between those two guys. You know, there's no comparison with McCaffrey and pretty much most any other running back in the league. So that's, um, that's one that we'll certainly have to watch, you know, tomorrow if we hear any news or obviously Sunday, if it comes down to a game time decision. You you think the Patriots escape with a victory? I like the way they're, they've been playing. You know, I mm-hmm. think to me, if Greg, to me, if they, if they lose this game, then we're back almost where we started, you know, like yep. you you're finally building some momentum, which they talked about. We're not a two and four team. We're not a three and four team. Nope. You've won two games in a row. You smashed the Jets. You you went on the road and beat, I think, what we thought was a, I don't know if we could call them a good team, but we think they are a decent team mm-hmm. in the Chargers. So now you have to keep that going. You can't you can't go down to Carolina for a team that's starting either Sam Darnold or PJ Walker and and lose the football game. You can't because then I think you you just sort of undone the sort of the positive vibes and momentum that you've created. And, you know, that path that we're going to be talking about uh, on sports that you'll have to talk about every Tuesday on sports radio <laughs> on Felger and Mass. that path gets a little bit more convoluted if they, if they drop a game to the Panthers. Yeah, absolutely. I think the PJ Walker thing's a good point. I mean, if they lose and it's Mac Jones versus PJ Walker and they lose, that's a tough look. Uh, Boston sports journal.com <laughs> member question of the day. Check us out over at BSJ for just $39.99 on our annual plan. You guys love uh, the Patriots over here, so come check out 
my stuff over there, you know, every week you get multiple coaches videos with me voicing over, going over the good, the bad, and the ugly from the Patriots and also their opponents. Just uh, posted a couple videos with my uh, confident and worried list and my pick going into this game. So, you know, if you can buy a subscription, come check us out. Uh, this is not from anyone specific, Mike, because everybody's asking it. I'm sure it, I know you've been asked it as well. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, released by the Browns. If he clears waivers, if you're Bill Belichick, do you sign him to this roster? I do not. Um, I think he is essentially, you're looking at a duplicate of Aguilar. You just paid Aguilar a ton of money. Granted, it's on a short term. I know you're not going to really, I mean, if, if Beckham goes through un- unclaimed and you're going to be able to sign him for the minimum, maybe you think about it a little bit more. But even then, you're going to take Aguilar off the field at 11 million per seems to me like you're then sort of admitting a mistake. And I've at least heard, and I think I'm pretty sure you've talked about the same thing about that. They really like what Aguilar has brought to the table, even though there hasn't been this sort of production that I think anybody um, outside would have hoped for. Uh, And again, that could come as the passing game continues to evolve and Mac continues to evolve a quarterback, but I just, I don't know. And if I'm him, I'm not sure why I'd want to do that either. You're, you're complaining about Baker Mayfield, who's been in the league for whatever, four years now. Now you're going to go join a rookie quarterback. Like, if you want to um, make yourself look attractive in the free agent market this offseason, then I think you got to go to a place that you think can win and win now and has an established quarterback, be that the Rams, be that Seattle. Um, I, I mean, I know some people have floated Tampa Bay. I don't know how many snaps you can get in Tampa Bay, but you can certainly rehab your image and maybe have a couple good games there and get your – Get your nice big paycheck in the in the offseason. Oh, man. OBJ and Antonio Brown on the same team. That would um, <laughs> be something. But uh, I, I agree with you. I uh, If I'm the Patriots, I'm passing on him for a couple different reasons, some of which you've laid out. Uh, you know, you add him, what does that do to Aguilar? What, do you, now you put him on the other side of the field? Now you're taking Kendrick Bourne and Kobe Myers off the field? I, I just don't see it. I think I think he's sort of redundant to Aguilar. I think that the Patriots have – they're starting to build something, or at least you hope they are, offensively, and all of a sudden you're going to put somebody else in the mix who doesn't know the offense. And it's just – it's throwing a monkey wrench in for a rookie quarterback who doesn't need it, who needs to keep gaining confidence. And my other thing is, look, the Patriots are not going to the Super Bowl this year. I mean, if they did, it would be historical. No rookie quarterback has ever led a team to a Super Bowl to even go to a Super Bowl, forget winning one. So, you know, if if this was next season and they were a player away, absolutely, I could see it. I just don't see the benefit of it now where you're really looking to build your program back up behind a rookie quarterback. And I think bringing in a guy like OBJ, not that Mac Jones can't handle him because I do think he can. I just don't see the point. I just don't, I, I just do not see the point at the end of the day. Yeah, and you don't – look, I, I mean – OBJ has said he has great respect for Brady and he said he had great respect for Belichick, but you come into a situation where you're still trying to get yours. Um, The team has sort of established a bit of a pecking order with, with how they do things offensively, the receivers. Like I just, I just, I just don't know if it makes a lot of sense to upset the apple cart for that. And let's be real. I don't know what kind of player he is anymore because he's, he's not out there very Mm -hmm. often. So like, if you want to tell me he could have a Randy Moss like revival, I guess part of me could believe that. But if you want to tell me that he's pretty much cooked and he's more like the Randy Moss that ended up in Minnesota at the very end, 
that's more of where I would lean to because he just he hasn't shown me enough to believe that he's he's still that guy. Well, we got uh, Patriots at Panthers this weekend. Mike will be all over it for NFL Network as usual. Um, everybody, Mike, thanks for joining us. Uh, no problem. It was if, uh, we need to do this much more often, and uh, sure. and we will. Uh, but thanks, everybody, for listening to the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast brought to you by BetUS.com. And, Mike, have a great weekend. Have fun on Sunday. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.